doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl, Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income, and crush their financial goals. And today's special guest is Osayo Tola out of Nike, and we're going to talk about balancing family, career goals, investing, personal finance mindset shifts, and so much more. Well, hello, beautiful people. Happy, happy, happy new year. Okay. I know we're well off into January, back into our routines and whatnot, but it's still a good new year around here. Okay. And I hope you are well, and I hope you are in good spirits, and I hope um, you're in good health, right? Um, And this year is off to another interesting start as was, you know, the previous year, the year before that. Um, And as I was perusing Beyonce's internet, um, I found a really interesting fact that said that roughly around 70% of wealth that is passed down is lost by the second generation. So, you know, all the so-called like trust fund babies and stuff, the money's usually gone by the second generation, which is crazy. And so that's why I am so excited to um, have this discussion and share it with you guys that I had with Olusayo because she is really one of those people who just got on her money game early and she was strong with it, right? And she just she just kept it going into adulthood. So she's going to be dropping a lot of gems. But who is Olusayo? She is a delivery-focused CPA, which is, you know, chartered public accountant in Ontario, Canada, and also works in Nigeria as well with a commercial mindset and excellent people skills, possessing over 13 years of work experience in financial accounting, external audit, treasury, financial planning, management reporting, and business partnering at two of the world's leading organizations. So without further ado, let's get into this interview. Hello, Dem Coins family. We have a special, special guest with us today. We have Miss Olusaya with us today. Hello. Hello, welcome. So excited <laughs> to have you. Yes, she joins us from Canada, our lovely neighbors by way of Nigeria. So we welcome you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited to be here. Fantastic. All right. So you you have a really um, interesting um just corporate career and you actually took um a different turn at the towards the end of this year so if you could briefly talk a little bit about um your time at shell nigeria as an executive you know and what made you want to switch recently okay um so thanks a lot for having me aqua it's um, exciting to be here Uh, My time at Shell Nigeria, so I worked for Shell Nigeria for almost 10 years. Amazing time. Before I joined Shell, I worked in PwC in Nigeria as well. 
Um, and I had worked in Shell, not just in Nigeria, actually. I worked in the Netherlands and in Nigeria. Within Nigeria, I worked in Port Harcourt and in Lagos. And um, it, exciting times at Shell. I was in finance all through, but I worked in different parts of finance and grew through the ranks. And it, like I said, in on the 30th of November was my last day at Shell. I decided that it was time to do something else. Um, I decided to focus, uh, step back a bit uh, on my corporate career and just spend some time, more time with my family. I have four children, like you probably already saw on my profile. And I have decided to just take some, um, a couple of months to have a break from my career and spend some more time with my husband, with my children, before I decide to do something else um, in my, with my career. So th I think that's it. Nice. Right now, yeah. Very cool. And so how did you even come across, you know, finance and, you know, you were a business partner at Shell, which is major. So how did you even get into that field? So um, I studied accounting at the university. So that, that was the foundation of it. I studied accounting. And then, like I said, I worked for PwC for a little over three years. And working in professional services, working in audits, uh, I realized that I wanted to do a bit more and work in industry. Because when you are an auditor, then you work across several clients and you realize that, Mm, okay, so maybe I want to be um, on the front burner, not coming at the end of the year and looking at what has been done, but actually be a part of um, the people doing the things and delivering things. And so yeah. I decided I wanted to go into industry. Uh, I'm from Nigeria. I was born and I, I lived in Lagos, Nigeria for most of my life until um, a little over a year ago when I moved to, to, to Canada. And in Nigeria, the oil and gas sector is the biggest um, sector in the country. Yeah. The, um, mm -hmm. Oil and gas is our major revenue generator in Nigeria. And so it was a no-brainer to want to work in the sector. And then Shell is the biggest oil company um, currently invested in Nigeria. It's the biggest IOC in Nigeria. And so it just mm -hmm. made sense to want to work for pretty much the biggest company that um, in Nigeria at the time, and I think even up till now, um, Shell is still the largest, even though there has been a lot of divestment that has sort of shrunk the portfolio, but Shell is still one of the biggest companies, if not the biggest in Nigeria. And so that was really the motivation to work in the industry and in the organization that was pretty much um, delivering a lot of value to the country's bottom line and be part of um, the people that are, um, you know, influencing change and um, bringing money to the country. It was my motivation and it's why I chose to work for Shell. Yeah. I didn't um, join Shell to want to be business partner. So I started out in Shell in um, fin planning, financial planning and budgeting. So I did that for a couple of years and then I moved to treasury. I did a bit of insurance. Um, I worked a little bit in finance operations. And um, then my, the business partnering role was my last role. And it was my most exciting because as a business partner, it was it's um, pretty much working with the business to deliver um, value. And so I, I stepped away from being a core finance person to pretty much delivering oil and gas, delivering hydrocarbons for the organization and for the country. And for me, that was 
where I really saw that I could add value and it was really exciting for me. So that's a lot <laughs> you like you you summed it up really well but that is really a lot and so how and you also travel a lot too so how did you manage you know four children and a husband and you know I'm sure extended family and like how did you manage that you know as you move through the ranks in Shell so firstly, I'd say kudos to Shell. Shell is a really, really supportive organization. And um, the organization is pretty much set up for us, for you as an individual to thrive. So they have been really supportive to me through my career. But beyond that as well, I have enjoyed tremendous support from um, people, from help, from in-laws, my mother-in-law, my family, my husband is super supportive. Um, <laughs> of course, a number of times some things had to give. I had to make choices. Um, I had to prioritize and focus on one thing um, per time. Mm -hmm. so it, it's been really tough, you know, managing, but it's not been impossible. It has required a lot of juggling. It has required, you know, relying on a strong and a solid support system to get things going. But yeah, it has worked quite well so far. And I'm really, really great. I'm grateful and thankful for how things have turned out. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. When you have a great support system, you have a great supporting partner and, you know, his mom. And so that's, that's really, really great that you have, you know, such a great support system. And so, you know, you talked about, you know, how some things had to give and, you know, in November you decided that you're going to take. And so did you take um, a leave of absence or you completely said, okay, I'm done. I'm just going to take a break and then we'll see where the, you know, where the cookie crumbles, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so it was, yeah, complete, um, I severed the relationship. So no, it wasn't a um, leave of absence. I said I was done. Um, and indeed, Shell was really exciting and I absolutely loved it, but it was time to go. So the pandemic, uh, for me, I think it was the pandemic that jolted me to reality, working from home 100%. I knew for myself that I wanted to keep being at home for at least for a little while more. Um, and I moved countries during the right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, oh, wow. And I, yes, yeah, so, so I moved from Nigeria to Canada during the pandemic. And I knew that my um, work wasn't flexible enough for me to um, work out of the country for the long term. So for a while it was gonna work out, but it wouldn't work out for the long term. And so I had to just make those choices to just stop. And then being at home during the pandemic as well, working full time from home helped me realize how much I liked being at home, mm -hmm. how much I liked being with my kids, how much I liked simple things like cooking and, um, helping out with homework or homeschooling these are things I hadn't really done a lot um, because I was really um, full power or, um, focused on my career and mm -hmm. so I didn't used to cook I didn't used to do a lot of things and um, what, being at home during the pandemic made me realize I actually liked those things um, so I thought I should do um, more of those and um, for a while and really just enjoy my time in the house. And that's what I'm doing right now. Well, that's lovely. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that 
the pandemic caused a lot of us to rethink yeah. <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah, it was a lot of disruption that <laughs> yeah. the pandemic caused. But good, good disruption. I really like it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and I think, you know, regardless of your, you know, your position, I think every mother just has that internal instinct you know regardless of what you're doing and so that's great that you are you know rekindling that and tapping into that awesome and four babies wow wow that's and are um, are your babies um are they young or do you kind of have a mix of kids and ages i have four children my oldest is eight and my youngest is nine months old so yeah. <laughs> I had a pandemic baby, yes. <laughs> so indeed, I have really young children, and it's also one of my motivations to just chill out a bit and enjoy um mothering them and watching them grow. Oh where's my little heart? <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, I mean, I'm always amazed at mothers because you know <laughs> I, I don't have kids yet but even the work that I do do I am still exhausted so I cannot imagine <laughs> having kids having a husband having you know so kudos to you that is awesome and so um in the sort of when did you become you know interested in personal finance was it always a thing because you were in the finance space and you were kind of helping people here and there with their finances or how did that come about so um, I have always been interested in personal finance because um, as I grew older, I realized that a number of um, habits or a number of things that I knew that I don't even remember who taught me or how I um, developed, um, became financially literate. But I realized that many things that I considered common knowledge was not actually common. Many things that came to me naturally was the, the, these were things that when I did them, then people around me are like, oh, wow, how did you know to do that? Or why do you think you should do that? I realized that um, financial literacy was not common. It wasn't natural. And so it just became normal for me to reach out and teach people about personal finance. So I've always, I, I, I can't even put a year to it to when I started teaching people about personal finance but it, I think it came maybe my background as, um, as an accountant helped I would say it definitely helped because um, the basic um, knowledge the basic understanding of the way money works comes with learning to be an accountant but beyond that I always had an interest in, in money in making money in seeing money grow in seeing how money works I remember way back in university I always had it like a side hustle just to um, grow my income and always have more money beyond the allowances my parents gave me and I've always sort of like carried that through so when younger people were like chilling and just doing other things I was trying to grow my income so I would say a lot of it is quite natural it came to me very naturally but then of course I had to learn um, I had to reskill I had to really understand and of course um, apply things practically through my journey to learn better and um, help people more awesome fantastic and so, yeah that's interesting because I am not one of those people, <laughs> personal financing and side, those things did not come naturally to me at all. So I yeah. wonder 
when you, you know, when you get, began to speak to people, what types of things you did, you know, just kind of on autopilot that other people were like amazed by? Do you like have any specific examples that you can think of? Yes, absolutely. So I, like saving, for example, I, I always just always had extra money. I, I, I never was one of those, even when my allowances. So now I, I'll have to like use Nigerian Naira. Not, I don't know how many people will be able to relate to that. But I remember when my allowance was like 2000 Nigerian Naira in, in university and I was still able to save money, you know, from it. And I remember, so myself and my brother were in school at the same time, and we had the exact same allowance. But right in the middle of the week, my brother would always like come around and need some more money from mine. And then I would always, <laughs> you know, have some for him. And I'll still have some extra. And we had the exact same allowance. So it's just something as simple as that, something as simple as saving uh, money or knowing that I need some extra money so looking for oh what can I sell Where, whenever I'm in a place I'm like oh what's the need here how can I generate value what needs can I meet how can I um what can I sell here to make some extra money you know those are not things that would typically come to a young um, maybe I, I don't remember 16 or 17 year old who at, at my age many people are at, at the same age were trying to just chill and maybe focus on their school or party or do other things but for me um i always had a money mindset you know and so i completely relate to what you say that it, it hadn't come it didn't come naturally to you and i find this with a lot of people like i know many people even people that speak about personal finance now Many people are like, oh, yes, I was in debt and then I retraced my steps. And yeah. sometimes I always feel to myself, how come you don't have a fancy story like this? Like I was never in debt because I've always known from like way back that you don't go into debt. But so sometimes I feel like I don't have a dramatic um, 360 degree turnaround personal <laughs> finance story. And maybe it doesn't um it doesn't make me as credible. No, maybe not credible, but it doesn't make me as interesting as some other people that, you know, went down there and then sort of like found their way out. But I really have always been good with money. And so it has sort of like influenced my choices and what I've done over the years. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And um, by the way, <laughs> Sayo, you don't want the dramatic, <laughs> I had to dig my way out the whole story. <laughs> and you know, while those headlines are like nice to look at, like, oh, wow. Like I, I interviewed someone who had over a hundred thousand dollars of debt and managed to dig their way out and didn't yeah. have like a six figure income or anything. He just like grinded his way through it. Uh -huh. But ultimately, if I could have got it right all the way back then, oh, I would have chose that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I, I, it's exciting when you read those stories. I always like, like, I like the stories, but indeed, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint anyone. Listening. I don't have those dramatic stories. I'm just simple old me, never had it, no drama. Oh, no. We See, we want to teach our kids and the next generation to get it right at the beginning. So <laughs> you are the perfect example. <laughs> and so interesting, because you mentioned in even in your teens, you know, thinking about what is the need and how can I, you know, add value? What can I sell? And so I'd be curious to know what types of side hustles were you doing? 
okay. Um, so I, I sold almost everything. Like, think about it. I sold it. Like, once I see, so I, I remember in university, I used to sell clothes. I used to sell shoes. I had a card, um, a gift greeting card um, business. So I used to sell cards um, to students. I sold food. I sold chin chin. That chin chin is a snack oh, yes, um, in I Nigeria. It. Yes, <laughs> and it was just almost a, a, anything. Like once I see that this is something that people like, and maybe they are not able to get it as quickly in school, then I'll just go try to get it in bulk and sell to people. I sold jewelry. I sold slippers. I sold a lot. <laughs> I sold a lot. habits you know were developed very early on and you've clearly carried that on successfully into um adulthood so now what does your sort of like person do you have like a personal finance kind of routine that you do you know is it um you know once a year I do a quick overhaul of everything or I'm budgeting monthly or do you have kind of like a routine that you have yeah Okay, so yes, I have a very strict personal finance routine. Um, I, so I, I have combined finances with my husband. So maybe I should um, mention that first. So I, I like that we combine our finances. That way things um, are sort of accelerated because it's two incomes, not one. Mm-hmm. So we, I have a, I, I track my net worth monthly. And that is really important to me. That's sort of like every at the end of every month when we are doing our network track, it's usually like a tada moment for us because we're like, okay, this is where we were. This is where we're now. What decisions did we take? What um, steps did we take to take us where we are right now? So I like um, tracking my network. It's very important to me. I have a monthly budget um, for the family. I also We also have like an annual budget. Then we have um, annual financial goal setting. So yeah, we have annual goals set in several different areas, but indeed um, the financial one is also really um, a critical part of our goal setting. So we have the annual financial goal setting sort of like that um, drives what we plan to do with money for the full year. And then there's an annual budget that sort of supports our annual financial goals. But then on top of that, we have the monthly um, rolling budget or rotating budget. Um, that um, says what we spend, our recurrent expenditure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's it. But for me, I would say my biggest um, and most important, most critical um, financial habit is my network tracking. I really, 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 it's a, I find it really powerful because every month when I track my network, in the month that it went down although we haven't had those um go down months in a while to be honest but in a month that it didn't go up as much as i expected or as much as we had projected that it would go up then i'm able to you know drill down and understand what decisions i took or what decisions i made that made that happen and so i can prevent it in the next month and over the months we have gotten much better at this such that um even for months that it would not grow by 
the projected amount, we already see it coming because we have consciously and deliberately taken some decisions that we know would affect our net worth. But we are happy with it because it was done mindfully versus, you know, previously when we weren't really tracking or when we just started tracking and it was just all over the place. And at the end of the month, we track our net worth and we're surprised to see what exactly happened. So I'm glad that I have a better handle of things, you know, and in that space. And that's, I find that very, very useful and very powerful. Oh, that I, I, yeah, I guess I was expecting, you know, you are an accountant that that's really, that's really nice and detailed. And what I love about what you said is this idea of not just tracking, you know, your expenses, but also taking a moment to actually reflect and then reverse engineer. Like if there was something, you know, um, you know, like you said, with your net worth, where maybe it went up, but not as much as you expected. Okay, maybe we, you know, made this decision and that wasn't, you know, in line with our goals. So the upcoming month, we can now change it. So I do like that. That is really good. I'm going to put that into my routine. Nice. It's really good. And so, hmm, yeah. And then on the, um, on the tip of sort of budgeting and spending and expenses and things like that, um, I recently saw um, an interesting post on your Instagram, and guys will have it in the description so you can check out uh, Sayo's Instagram page because it is filled with a lot of really good content. And you talked about um, BNPL companies, which are those buy now, pay later companies like a firm or um, I think the other one is Klarna. There's, yeah. there's quite a few of them and it's basically like modern day layaway, right? So yeah. <laughs> I would be curious to know what are your thoughts on those types of companies? Okay, so I would pretty much um, summarize what I put on Instagram because I, um, I shared my thoughts on the companies um, on Instagram. Um, so a significant principle of... Um, personal finance is delayed gratification it is what something that drives what we do um, and it drives our money habits to say okay i will not enjoy the money now i will invest it or put it aside and put it into something that will yield something and then i would enjoy it later because i will not now be enjoying just the principal, I would have something on top of it that I can enjoy. So delayed gratification is really, really important. It's a really important habit that supports personal finance. Now, something that the buy now, pay later companies feed is the instant gratification, which is the opposite of delayed gratification. It's saying to you, this thing you want, you can't afford it, but it's okay. You can take it now and then pay <laughs> yeah. for it later. And that's why I don't like it. I don't like it, not because many times these are consumer goods. They're probably not very expensive, you know? So maybe it's not about the cost, but it's about the habits that they build. It's about the habits that they, that they, that they um, feed the habits that they nurture in people. Then people begin to feel like, oh, well, I can have everything that I want right mm-hmm. away. Um, I don't need to save up for things, you know. I don't need to create a sinking fund and say, oh, I really want this thing. Okay, so let me um, save up for it anymore. People don't bother with those kind of things anymore because they can simply take it now, 
and pay for it later. And it's all fun and games until something happens to your source of income and you cannot meet the obligation to pay. And then you realize that all the so-called interest-free pay later payments is actually interest-free maybe, but there are penalties and the penalties are crazy. And then you realize that um, over the months, as you are not able to meet the obligation, your debt is rising and it becomes a huge debt burden simply because you wanted a new, um, I don't know, a new laptop or a new mm-hmm. handbag or a new pair of shoes. So um, I'm, as, as you can probably already tell, I'm not a fan <laughs> of buying our pay later. I'm a fan of saving up to buy things we want and, um, you know, just um, delayed gratification, looking away rather than taking things right away, you know, sim- just to build uh, the right habits, the right money habits, which would help us build our um, finances. Ooh, I just, yeah, I'm taking notes because you just dropped a whole lot of gems. That, yeah, I I concur. Yeah, <laughs> that, that really gets down to, you know, the heart of it it's yeah delayed gratification drives our habits and really with buy now pay later it's it's very impulsive because um with with um buying and saving habits and you've developed really good habits um do you find that you often are more prone to um investing uh, do you invest kind of aggressively or you're kind of like, I'm more comfortable with saving, you know, um, do you invest in land in Nigeria or anything like that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm no, I'm very uncomfortable with saving. Uh, <laughs> it's like whenever I have to like save money, like I have, so maybe when I have a project and I'm saving up for something. And so I have cash in my account. I'm extremely uncomfortable holding cash. So I, mm-hmm. um, I I definitely am an investor. I love to invest. So yes, I invest in real estate in Nigeria and now in Canada as well. Um, and yes, I, I, I'm an investor and I love investing and I've invested for several years and no regrets. Have I had my fingers burnt sometimes? Oh, absolutely, yes. But I've ha- um, have I had more joy from investing than paying? Oh, yes, I have. Fantastic. Well, that's really, yeah, that's really cool. So do you um, primarily do like real estate and land or do you do stocks and crypto and a combination of things? So I do a combination of things. I um, So I do, um, I do stocks. I do real estate. Um, I do more of index funds, actually, than um, individual stocks. Um, I do some bonds, a little bit of bonds, euro bonds, mainly in Nigeria. I do, um, I have a slight exposure to private equity. Um, And then um, I invest in the money market, mainly my emergency funds. Um, I said real estate already, but also REITs, so real estate investment trusts. Yeah, so I, I have a, um, a well-diversified portfolio. Fantastic. Cool. And so, hmm, I guess I'd be curious about real estate in Nigeria and real estate in Canada. So um, for those two countries, are you 
um, do, are you actually buying like land and property or are you primarily doing REITs in those countries? So in Nigeria, um, no. So in Nigeria, it's landed property. So it's land, it's buildings um, for, for rental. So in Nigeria, I used to live in Lagos and I still have property in Lagos. Um, Lagos is the commercial hub of Nigeria. So it's really um, cosmopolitan and the real estate market in Lagos is very strong and it's very, um, it's quite lucrative. So yes, I have some, uh, we have some property there. So I like to say we, because like I said, I have joint finances with my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Canada, like we just moved to Canada. So for now, we've just bought our primary um, place of residence. Many people, some people would say your primary um, principal place of residence is not um, it's not an investment. I don't agree, but mm-hmm. that's um, subject for another day. But um, <laughs> we're looking to invest in the property here, which is mainly um, resale property and maybe new build properties. So pre-construction homes um, and all of that, because the real estate market in Canada is also really, really hot and very, very exciting. There's a lot um, of opportunity there to um, make some, to, to generate value. So we're looking, we're still looking and seeing what possibilities exist here, but it would be um, already built, um, ready buildings or new build by, um, by developers mm-hmm. um, getting in at the beginning of the project, but no, not land. Um, because yeah, we're new here. We don't, I don't know the terrain yet to, of, um, construction material and you know mm-hmm. people um and um all of that so i'm not we're not looking to get into that space just yet yeah that i'm glad you said that because yeah there's um <laughs> quite a few people encouraging others to kind of just you know get into you know real estate and you know get with these, you know, either completely dilapidated properties or just pure land without understanding, you know, not having contractor relationships or anything like that. And it's like, why are you telling people to do that? Yeah, no, that's critical. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Really, really understanding the um, geography and having a footing on ground, having people that you have worked with over the years. I have that in Lagos. Like I, I, I can, from here, call, get a, a whole team of handymen to get things done in Lagos and they would be there in the morning. But here, like I know no one and those things are really critical um, for a successful real estate um, building journey to have all of that, a team that you can trust, a team that you can work with, tested and trusted over the years. If not, you could get your fingers burnt if you try to you know, go into the waters without having a solid team behind you. Yes. And so, so I know this isn't, you know, a real estate podcast per se, but <laughs> I, would, I would be curious about how did you go about building your, your team in Nigeria to build properties for you? Um, so I would say that um, time, mm-hmm. time and experience, a lot of it um, would probably have come from referrals. Mm-hmm. So um, my dad is an is a real estate. Yeah, he's in real estate. So he's an is a real estate surveyor, estate manager, and all of that. So of course, growing in that kind of home, there's already 
it, it, there's already something to fall back on when it comes to employees and people um, that work with him. So it was easy to just, you know, latch on to that. But over the years as well, um, having meeting people, because I'm from there, then there are people to meet, people that have worked with people, referrals from friends, mm-hmm. um, referrals from all, um, real estate developers, um, people that have worked well for them. And over the years, as you do things, you meet people, you see the people that work well, um, you see people that don't work very well. Those that work mm-hmm. well will also refer their other colleagues in other um, areas of work that work very well with them and they work very well with. And somehow you just create a team over time of um, a super team of people that do very well. So I think I would say the answer is experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Awesome experience. And yeah, those referrals and, you know, yeah. And so, hmm, interesting. So with um, with all the success you've had, I know that you mentioned that, you know, you might have gotten your fingers burned a little bit. And so what was probably your biggest finger burn, if you will, <laughs> as you've invested? <laughs> so it would be... Um... I would call it informal private equity. And this is like investing in a business, investing in a friend's business or investing in a friend's friend's business. So I've had a few of those kind of things. And those, I, I, I sort of like decided a while back that I would never do anything like that because every single time I try to do it, it just never works out. Like solid business ideas, solid numbers, everything adds up, it checks out. But um, at the end of the day, it's just stories. It's just, oh, yes, things, <laughs> yeah, things didn't work out or something happened. Or, you know, um, someone being just plain um, right down irresponsible with your money. Um, yeah, maybe the controls were just not um, tight enough. Even though you tried to put things in place or you tried to verify that things were in place before um, putting in your funds. But even the best of us uh, make mistakes or... Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think it would be that. It would be just investing money in private businesses that aren't um, big enough and things not working out with the business. Got it. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, that's, yeah, you know, I like to keep it well-rounded, you know. It's it's a lot of roses, but there's a couple of thorns. Oh, yes, <laughs> oh, yes, oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, Sayo, this is, this has been absolutely, you know, fantastic. And I have a lot of personal things I can apply to my own life as I'm <laughs> learning and growing. So thank you for that. I just had um, sort of like our sort of wrap up questions. And so if you, looking back, you know, on your, your journey in life, is there anything that you wish, you know, that you might've done differently? Now that's one question <laughs> I did not um, anticipate. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a tough one for me because I'm one person that I always say zero regrets. You've done it. You've done it. We move on. You know, so um, I would say um, maybe something that I sh- should. So I only recently started investing in the New York Stock Exchange in the U.S. stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, and the backstory to that is so I was living like I said, I was born, raised, and I've always lived in Nigeria. And because of um, a lot of, would I say, rules and 
lack of access and all of that into being able to invest abroad because of a lot of um, foreign currency restrictions okay. and all of those things even being able to register with a brokerage abroad you know it's really really tough you know with money laundering and all of the um unnecessary on, on, on focus i would say or maybe necessary focus but um i i, I just hadn't been able to hack investing in the um New York Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. So I had invested in the Nigerian Stock Exchange and here and there, done a few things here and there. But actually, you know, going all out, full blast into the stock exchange didn't happen until a couple of years ago um, uh, when I started. And I would say it has been one of my greatest wealth building tools um, for us as a family. And I, 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 it's something I, I think back and say, if I knew how amazing it was, maybe we should have done this a lot earlier, figured out a way to do it, <laughs> hacked it, you know, gotten, um, entered into these markets much, much earlier than we did. So that's something that I probably would wish I did earlier. But apart from that, I would say I've had an uh, amazing journey I've had an amazing journey. You know, God, I, I, I probably haven't mentioned on the podcast, but I'm a person of faith and I really, really see God's hand in my life. I see God's hand in my journey. And so it's really tough to, because um, of the way I think, because I believe that, you know, my steps are ordered by God and I, everything I do is sort of like arranged by God. It's tough to think back and say, oh, I wish I did this differently because even for the things that brought pain, even for the things that seemed like disappointments, it's all like have, has worked together for my good. And I think back and say, oh, wow. So this is why this happened because this had to happen. And it all sort of like comes together to being good. So no, 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 no regrets, nothing I would change. If I had to do it all over again, as long as I have God on my side, I would do it the exact same way. Hmm. I love that. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. And then um, along those lines as well, do you have um, like any mantras or any uh, Bible verses or anything that like sets you on track for your day or anything like that? So um, my favorite Bible verse is Daniel chapter one, verse eight, you know, and so it's, it has nothing to do with money, but it says that, and Daniel proposed in his heart that he will not defile himself with the king's meat or with the wine with which he drank. And so he told the king of the eunuchs to, you know, not allow him or to ensure that he doesn't defile himself. And, you know, we know that, the story of Daniel and when he did this and it's sort of I reflect on this verse every morning when I wake up to say I'm different you know I'm I'm different and so Mm -hmm. in everything I do in whatever I do I try to be different I make sure that I set myself apart I'm I'm sanctified you know I'm a child of God and I always try to ensure that that reflects in everything I do in my decisions in whatever I do so that that for me is a constant and daily reminder that um i'm different and i can't decide to be different hmm. i love that <laughs> wow hmm i just want to like re-read, reread the book of daniel because sometimes when you read you know stories over and over again you're like oh i know this but that was an interesting 
uh, reflection on that chapter in that verse. Thank you. I'm different. I'm sanctified. I like that. Awesome. And then my final question, it's a, you know, it's one of my lighter questions. Um, I know you mentioned that you used to sell chin chin back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite food or drink? (laughs) I do. I do. I do. Um, so it, uh, my favorite would have to be puff puff. Oh, and yes, I am trying to lose weight. <laughs> I am supposed to be on a diet, but puff puff comes in the room and all of my self control and discipline goes out the window. Oh. So I'm a big fan of puff puff. Oh, me too. Me too. I was really okay. sad. <laughs> there, there's um, there's an African market not too far from me, and they make the best. <laughs> I mean, oh, just the right amount of sugar. I mean, everything is just perfect. And they didn't have any when I got there. I was so sad. Remind (laughs) me not to visit you or go by the market. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And yeah. And my mom loves to cook for everybody. So if you you are in my area, (laughs) you'll eat all the jalap. You'll eat eat everything. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really exciting. This has been really great. I, yes, I, I just, you know, I try to get people with different perspectives and different um, backgrounds and different stories. So I'm just, I'm just so blessed. I'm so grateful that you came on here. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And another great episode of Dumb Coins. I hope you all enjoyed and got some nuggets you could take away with you. Because I know I did. Um, Despite, you know, the audio being weird in the beginning. You know, Zoom was being a hater child. Y'all, I tried to fix it as much as I could. But, ooh, your girl was stressed. But, hey, it's all good. It came together towards the middle and the end. You know, the audio got itself together. But my main takeaways were when Olusaya was talking about the buy now, pay later programs, right? And how those programs teach us, teach us not to appreciate delayed gratification. And delayed gratification is really um, part of wealth building and it's necessary. And um, another major takeaway was also knowing when to take a break right? I thought, you know, the purpose of fighting for all these women's rights were for us to have choices. And if your choice is to be a stay-at-home mom, there is nothing wrong with that. There is no shame in that. Taking care of the children is hard, okay? So, you know, knowing when to take a step back or when to pivot is important. And having, you know, God as your compass and your guiding light and all of that, because all things work for the good of them that love the Lord, for those that are called according to his purpose, okay? So, yeah, those are my main takeaways. I hope you all stay blessed. Good day. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to reach out to me via email, hello at demcoinsonline.com. Also feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. 
And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.